what's coming um thought we might start this morning with a, a little quiz for you just get some ideas first one is this how do you put a giraffe in the fridge open the door and put him in that wants to teach you not to overcomplicate things how do you put an elephant in the fridge Open the door, take the giraffe out so you can put the elephant in. Remember, there's repercussions to your actions. The Lion King's hosting a conference, and all the animals are expected to attend, and they're all attending except one. Which one? The elephant. He's still in the fridge. That's good. That's testing your memory. Fantastic. There's a river you need to cross that's infected with crocodiles, and you need to get over it. How do you get over no, swim. All the crocodiles are at the Lion King's conference. You know, we've been talking about next year and, and setting up, taking opportunities, taking risk, uh, getting into that. And I just know that next year is something special for you. I know next year God wants amazing things for you. In actual fact, when we were doing a week of fasting just recently, the word that kept coming to me was just an interesting one, Bashan. And... Um, that word in, in Hebrew, the location, means fertile or fruitful. Actually implies that the whole region of wheat growing up and prepared and ready for harvest. It was a fertile place and a place of readiness. And I just believe God's saying this to us, that next year is a season of growth, a fertile season, a place that where we've sown in, we will just see actual growth, not just in the, in the natural, but in our character and in the spirit, in, in who we are. And so that's just what I'm, I'm believing for. But also this morning, I just want to speak to a few things about that, about setting up for growth. And I, I'm not talking about it coming up to Christmas and overeating and growth of your belt size, but actual growth in the things of purpose and growth in the things of God. So I just want to speak in to that because I mean all of us have learned all of us have grown I've learned some things through my life I've learned that you should never lick a steak knife I've learned that under no circumstance should you take a sleeping pill with a laxative some of these things aren't by personal experience I must say but I've learned things I've learned that you should not try and drive down the M1 between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. in the afternoon. Avoid that. You, you cannot hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of water. My sons have tried. I've learned that whenever I drive up to a roundabout, all the most stupid drivers come there at the same time. There's some things... We've learned and, and different places to grow. If, I just want to read out of um, Hebrews 5 and the beginning of 6 uh, this morning. There is much more we would like to say about this, Hebrews 5.11, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long, and now you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need something to teach you again, the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solids. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. 
who through training have skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we do not need to start again with the fundamental importance of repeating, of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You know, this is one of those real smack-around scriptures that really comes and jumps up in your face and um, gives you a bit of a slap, you know. I, I really like the verses where it's just about how much God loves us, how merciful he is, how gracious he is, how much he's just thinking about us and caring. I love those places in the Bible. But every so often, there's a bit of a smack-around one. And uh, they're, they're important because we need grace. We also need truth. We need to walk in love. We also need to walk in truth. And so I, I think we can all probably remember a time where, where someone's come up and got in our face and, and spoke some truth to us. And we've looked everywhere else in the room except in their eyes because we don't want to hear what they're saying. We don't want to listen to what's coming out of, their, out of their mouths and we just want to get out of there as fast as we can and they just keep those times of intervention in our world and we just try and get out of there but afterwards we sit and reflect. I remember when I was in grade 10, one of my science teachers sat me down and looked me in the eyes and said, Scott, if you don't start working, you're going to get an OP3. I'm like, that's probably not a bad move. So he was actually right. I didn't work for grade 11 and 12, and I got an OP3. It, it didn't have the effect because I was still a little bit uh, immature when I was at school and wouldn't listen. And I, and I hope that we're a bit more mature today to listen to the Word of God, that we don't remain infants in the faith, but we would grow up into the fullness. God's desire is that we don't stay babies, but we grow up. And, and actually learn how to get into the fullness of God and, and into all that he is. I want to talk this morning about a couple of false assumptions about growth. Some of the things about growth which just aren't true. And the first one is this, growth is automatic. You know, when I was at school, I actually had a lot of pride in, in getting out of the physics exams first before anyone else. I, I really pride myself on, on doing that, getting it completed and getting out of the room. When I was in grade 12, there was this one kid. We're in the exam. It was a two-hour exam. 20 minutes into the exam, as soon as you could leave, he got up and left. And I remember sitting in that internally fuming, going, what's going on with this? This, is, this just isn't right. How could he have done that that fast? I found out later, our teacher was encouraging us through the week just in some, in, in some lessons of life and had given this phrase, you know, if you don't know something, you don't understand something, sleep on it, and you'll probably understand it the next day. He wrote his name, I found out later, at the top of the exam, had a 20-minute nap, still didn't under the, understand the exam, so he walked out. You know, just because he'd been in a physics class for 18 months didn't mean he'd actually grown in his understanding or application of physics. Growth doesn't automatically happen. At the moment, We've got a bunch of football teams that have been recruiting players, NFL, or NRL and the AFL, been recruiting players. And they're looking for the ones that have some potential that can now train an entire six months with them and hopefully get to that standard where they can be professional football players. There's a bunch of 18-year-old kids running around football fields thinking, I'm going to be the next Sonny Bill Williams, I'm going to be the next Jonathan Thurston. And if they jumped on the field today, they'd get smashed. 
that these teams understand that it's not just automatic, they need to actually invest in them. That's why in America, it's totally different. If you apply to get, if you try and train on to get into the NFL, they're not going to train you. They expect you to be there straight up. They won't even recruit you at that point. You know, Jesus told this parable at one time that, that really talks about this. He said, listen, there's a farmer that went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it did not have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns and it grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Other seed, it fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was planted. And he goes on, I'll I'll get to some more. This is the base of what I want to talk about this morning, but I'll get to the interpretation where Jesus interprets that for the disciples as we go on. But there we have a farmer went to sow seed. Now, The main thing about this, we often talk about the seed and the soil, but Jesus was talking about us there. This is a side bit. The farmer, we're farmers, we have the seed of God within us. And notice where the farmer went out and he sowed indiscriminately. We all sit there, oh, I don't want to tell that person about Jesus, they might not be ready. I don't want to pray for that person, they might not actually receive something. We're the farmers. It doesn't matter what the soil's like. We go and sow our seed abundantly. We, indiscriminately, wherever we go, sowing seed, it's God's job to grow the seed. That's a bonus. That's something different. But, as gardeners know, and as we see in this story, just because the seed's on the ground doesn't mean that it's going to grow. Just because there's seed there doesn't mean that it's going to grow. Growth is not automatic second thing that we often often have that's lied to us is that growth comes with experience that's not true there's actually some people who have experiences and stop growing there was a young man came to jesus and said what do i have to do to actually get into the kingdom of heaven or inherit it and so jesus asked him you know the commandments follow the commandments i do all that okay one more thing go sell everything and come follow me This young man, he had an encounter with the kingdom of God. He had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with the fullness of who God was that day. His experience with God did not produce faith. His experience with God did not cause growth in his life. In actual fact, the Bible says that he went away sad because he loved his money very, very much. You know, just because we've got an encounter with God or an experience, it doesn't mean that's going to lead to to faith or growth. Faith comes through an encounter with, with the kingdom of God. But just because we have that encounter doesn't mean that faith is going to come or growth is going to happen in that thing. Just because we can attend church regularly, we can go to all the conferences, we can read all the books in Kurong, grab them all, read them all through, but it doesn't mean that we're going to be any closer to God. These are important things and can help us. But just because we experience them doesn't mean we're actually going to grow. Another thing is people say that growth comes because of age. I know some teenagers that are more mature than some adults. You may have encountered that in your world as well. Young people are more mature than others that you know. Chuck Swindle actually said this, there's an enormous difference between growing old in the Lord and growing up in him. One is automatic and requires no effort, just having another birthday. 
but the other is never automatic or easy. It calls for personal discipline, continual determination, spiritual desire. Churches are full of sleepy saints who are merely logging time in God's family. I know he's talking about other churches and not ours here. He hasn't visited us. He'd rewrite that. You know, actual fact, sometimes age can stunt growth. We know if a plant's got old growth on it, those growths aren't going to produce the same amount of fruit. You want to cut them back and have young growth that comes through so that they can be the most fruitful. Other people say that this, that growth comes from having information. You know, you might know everything there is to know about the workings of a plane. You might understand how those engines, you might even understand how to strip one down and build one back together, understand wind resistance and velocity, takeoff speeds, all the, all the facts about landing. That does not mean you are going to get a jumbo jet into the air or land it back on the ground safely when you jump in the co- cockpit of that thing. Just because you understand some information doesn't mean that you're actually going to grow from it. The Prince of Grenada... Um, the heir to the Spanish crown was sentenced to solitary confinement uh, for life. And the prison was actually called the place of the skull because once you're in there, you, you die. Everyone knew that once you're in there, you wouldn't come back out alive. And he was left one, bi- one book to read, the Bible. So 33 years he was in solitary confinement with the Bible. And he read that book over and over and over. And after 33 years, he died. And when they came in and took his body out, they noticed he'd been scrawling on the wall behind him. And he made some notes on the wall, and the note said this. Psalm 118, verse 8, is the middle verse of the Bible. Ezra 721 contains all the letters of the alphabet except J. The ninth verse of the eighth chapter in Esther is the longest verse in the Bible. No word or name in the Bible has more than six syllables. You know, he spent 33 years studying the greatest book, and there was no indication that he actually encountered Jesus. He had a whole bunch of information, but he, no indication he didn't ever knew God. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 3.19, that you might know the love that surpasses knowledge. You know, there's a bunch of people that have a lot of theological knowledge or a lot of church history in their heads, but it doesn't make them mature. Being said, are we reading the Bible in such a way that it brings us alive to a relationship with Christ? or even a God experience? Are we reading the Bible in such a way that Christ, his love, his joy, his grace, and his peace is being formed within us? There's a bunch of assumptions about growth there, but I want to speak to you about growth this morning, about how we grow up and getting prepared to grow up. And um, really, it's this. We need a tech upgrade. We need a tech upgrade to get ready for growth. The first one's this, growth requires T, time. Growth requires time. Now, no children are born fully grown. I'm not a mother, nor do I ever intend to be one. And um, um, I can bet, though, every mother in this place is, is glad that children are not born full grown. They require time to grow. They take time, learn to walk, learn to talk, recognize shapes, colors, Words, learn how to interact with people, learn manners. After a while, learn to drive, learn how to be in a relationship, learn how to nurture each other, take care of their needs, learn how to raise a child, parent, learn how to give, learn how to love. When Jesus was 12, the Bible says that he grew in favor with God and he grew 
in favor with people. At his first miracle in Canaan, at the wedding, he said to his mom, Mom, my time is not yet. It hasn't quite come to the point where I'm to be revealed. You know, the Bible talks in a lot of places about who we are, and one of them, which our men's ministry has been named after for a long time, is that we are oaks. Oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. It, it, it said that an oak takes a hundred years to become mature. A scotch thistle can grow about a meter overnight. Which one do you want to be? Which growth do you want to have? In Mark 4.20, Jesus went and explained his, his parable and he said, Others like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. They take the time to cultivate the word of God that's come into their world and into their lives. See, growth requires effort. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. I didn't put the rest of that verse in there. But when, but when birds come and eat it, Satan comes and steals it immediately. And that's the path, isn't it? This one's the one where to grow up. Let's get the scripture right. Let's get my notes in the right order. That's even better. Others like seeds sown in rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, it only lasts a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. You know, once we've achieved a goal, it can be pretty easy to drop the ball and fall off the other side and not keep running for it. You know, often we'll put the effort in and we'll put the time in when we want a new job or a promotion or we're when we're young, we're trying to please someone or start a relationship, really putting the effort into wooing and, and winning hearts. But once, once it's there, once we have what we're, we're going for, we can often slack off, drop the ball. We see it all the time in sports teams where someone makes the team and then all of a sudden their performance drops off. You may have a new job or, or a new relationship. You may have started something new. There may have been a new vision or a new input into your world, maybe a a friend or a, or a loved one that, that's come into your world and you've been putting the effort in. And let me encourage you this. Keep going. Keep going with that. Keep putting the effort in. said the other week we are talking about without revelation, people cast off restraint. When we, when we don't have that vision in front of us to keep going, to keep improving that thing, we stop putting the effort in. Now, people often say that those that things come the most easy for don't achieve their results, but those who actually have to try harder actually can outdo them. We see this, I'm a bit of a football lover, so um, we've seen this in a couple of things. There was this hulking young lad called David Taylor, 120 kilos, played like a halfback, had all the potential, was set up to be probably, could have been the best player in rugby league. You talk to any of the coaches that coached him, they said he was lazy and he ate too much McDonald's. And that's why he's been at about six different teams. Player of the year last year, Cooper Cronk. This year, player of the year. 
Started off as a hooker, ended up at halfback for Melbourne. By all reports, is not the greatest natural halfback around. But is the first at training, is the last to leave, is the most meticulous preparer and has put in the most effort of anyone. And now any young aspiring halfback wants to go and learn from him and gain knowledge from him. He didn't have the most natural talent, but he came the best because he kept putting the effort in. I was talking with Cyril last week about Nicodemus. Here's a man that had everything going for him, had been recruited by one of the top brains in the whole of Israel, had been recruited by one of the, one of the best rabbis in all of Israel and raised up, was part of the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, was actually leading the Sanhedrin at one point. In all, all, all rights, he was pretty much up there, number one in all of Israel, yet he knew that even though it looked on the outside, he had everything going. He knew he needed more. He saw Jesus and he saw something of the kingdom of God. And so after he'd done his work all day long, at nighttime, he kept working and went and found Jesus and go, who are you? Tell me. Tell me about who you are. Tell me about this kingdom of God. Help me grow and go further. He looked for more. It requires effort to grow. We need to keep looking for more, even when we think we've arrived, even when we think we've got there. Put that extra effort in. Growth requires change. Still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but their worries of life and the seedfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in and choke it, making it unfruitful. You know, people don't like change too much. We're not creatures that really enjoy it. You know, our, our, our computer keyboard, it was invented back in the 1800s, a long time ago. Because what it was designed to do, and I don't know if you've ever tried typing and you realize, I just wish I could get this out faster. The keyboard was actually designed to slow you down because the keys on a typewriter used to keep jamming if people type too fast. So the QWERTY keyboard was designed to slow you down. About 50 years ago, they designed a keyboard where they moved all the keys. You notice you've always got to reach up to hit the E and the R and the T, and they're all on the same finger. Wouldn't it be so, so often we type ER, wouldn't it be great if it was just right in the middle there, so much quicker. So someone designed it where all the keys were in that middle row that you use most often on different fingers. They, they gave it to typists. They could type five times faster with, no, with the same error rate that on the QWERTY keyboard. And yet, we keep using the QWERTY keyboard. Why? Because we don't want to change what we've learned. You know, when we need to grow... It requires change. I spoke last week about opportunity, then last Sunday night, just basing that on the life of Elisha. Elisha came and had the rabbi in Israel, he had the prophet come and, and drape his mantle over him and call him and go, you, you've got to come follow me. And he knew to do that, it required change. It required cutting off things of the past. So he went, he was on the 12th yoke of oxen, so he went and he burned it, gave all the food away to the village, he burnt his father's tractor. There was no going back for him at that point. And Cortez, a lot of people up until the 1600s had tried to, 16th century, had 1500s, 16th century, had tried to invade Mexico, the Aztecs and the Incas. A whole bunch of ships had tried to get there and a whole bunch of conquerors had tried to take that land because there was the promise of the city of gold, the promise of gold and great treasure. And each time they came in, they went in, their armies landed, 
They were defeated. They hopped back on their boats and they left again. Came in with their armies, got defeated, hopped on their boats and they left again. Cortez, he had a new tactic. He landed in Mexico. As they got off the boats, he turned around and set light to them all and burnt the ships. There was no retreat, no going back. And he took Mexico for Spain. And he, he, he defeated them. There was no, there was change that happened in his life. Maybe there's some things in your life that need to happen to grow. Maybe it's some relationships that you need to change, some people. Maybe some belief systems or, or places or positions or comforts or habits that are holding you back, that are getting you down. You know, we need to change to actually grow. Abraham, to move into the place of blessing that God had for him, he had to change an entire city. He had to move. God said, I need you to move from here and go over to Canaan to actually receive the blessing. Maybe there is change that needs to happen in your world for you to keep growing next year. See, change doesn't necessarily equal growth, but growth almost always requires change to happen in our lives. And H, growth requires help. Farmer sows the word, and some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and all of a sudden when they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. You know, seed doesn't grow on its own. It requires soil and nutrients. It requires water. It requires sun and heat. Often, so many times we're like that hard, and I'm, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm here. I am set. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to do it all by myself. No direction, no movement. Others around them might be traveling, but they're just there on their own. You know, when, when Jesus was first getting his disciples. Met a young man named Nathaniel. He said to him, I saw you when you were under that tree. Nathaniel was just sitting under that tree, not moving, not doing much with life. He was come and told that, Jesus, here's the man we've been looking for. Here's the Messiah. He was just doing his own thing, not going anywhere. But he was open enough to recognize when growth came across his path. He was open enough to recognize when things could change around him. Ephesians 4, Paul tells us that God makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and as each part does its special work, it helps the other parts grow. You know, we need each other to grow. We need to be connected to the house of God. We need to be connected to church, but also we need each other to grow. We need other people in our world so that we can see the kingdom of God flow through us. We need to know people that don't know Jesus so that we can see the healing power and the love and, and the, just the revelation of God come through and that growing inside us. We need to be involved in other people so that they can experience the use of the gifts in their life, so that they can practice on us. Maybe if you're sick, you need to let people pray for you. If you've got a need, let people pray for you. Let people prophesy over you so that they can grow. We need each other to grow and be accountable to. We also need help from God. And in Romans 2.12, all who sin apart from the law perish. Oh, that's not the right verse. Romans 12.2 is what I'm after. Don't copy the behavior of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is the ultimate growth. God's the ultimate grower. Paul said, one plants, one waters. But God brings the growth. You know, as we set up for next year, I encourage you, just let yourself get a tech upgrade. Time 
effort, change, help from others and help from God, just so you can see the fullness of growth. I really believe that next year is a time where he just wants to see us grow into fruitfulness in places. Let me encourage you, be like Nicodemus and be looking. Be looking for those chances and opportunities for growth. Like Nathaniel, allow when it comes along in your life, allow that to change and get you up and get you moving. Come on, would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Father, we're just grateful that you are a God who doesn't want to leave us like we are, but continually just is, God, you're just shaping us into your image. Lord, we are being transformed from glory to glory that you are not just, you haven't just left us like we were when we encountered you, but you want us to grow and grow in fruitfulness. Lord, you said that they will know you by your fruit, Lord, and we want to be a people that are just producing so much fruit. And so we ask, Lord, let us be patient with that process. Father, we ask that you would show us where we actually need to set things in place and set things in motion. Lord, show us the things that we need to leave behind and cut off. Father, there's a lot of us here that actually know that there's been things that are holding us down, shows we watch, things we listen to, things we give our attention to, habits that are holding us, people we hang out with and allow to speak into our world. Lord, that we need to change. Some ways we place our energy and our focus, things we need to change, Lord. But on ourselves, that's hard. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd encourage us in that and give us the strength for us. But more, Lord, that we would take the opportunity to find help of another brother or sister and talk to them about it and let them keep us accountable, Lord. Because we know that it's not just automatic. Lord, there is effort that requires us to step into the fullness of what you've got. So, Lord, we just receive from heaven what we need, Lord, but we just want the gumption to be able to step forward into all that you have for us. Let's just worship. And as we do, Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart things that you just need someone to pray.